Fresh off the back of a stunning weekend at Interlagos and into the unknown as we arrive in Qatar to finish this triple head off, a triple header off in a calendar move designed to put all teams on the back foot. And they say Liberty Media doesn't deliberately induce drama. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. Hosting today will be me, Owen Medford, and joining me are Tom Downey from the uh, from Everything F1. Hello. And Adam Burns from the DNF1 podcast. Hello. Right, so today we'll be previewing the, uh, previewing the upcoming Qatar Grand Prix, a venue we've never been to before uh, as, as part of the Formula One World Championship. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we're just now streaming the, we're streaming the show live on YouTube. And uh, so be sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Formula One Grid Talk, uh, to be uh, notified when we go live. Uh, just make sure you also ring the bell icon so that you're notified of future shows. Right, so we've just come off the back of a pretty, pretty hectic sort of race weekend. Um, I think, and I don't think anyone expected what we, uh, what we saw. Basically, it's a performance that, you know, particularly from Lewis Hamilton. That's <laughs> so I'm, uh, who I'm talking about is, you know, ridiculous championship saving. I would say. Um, the thing is, you know, we we didn't think going in. We we thought going into sort of into Lagos that um, it would be a sort of it would be Red Bulls. To, to, to lose really and it kind of was I would say um, but Mercedes just seems to have pulled out another level um, going into going into Qatar where we've never really been before um, I just want to throw it to you Adam but uh, th- this circuit from what we've seen you know I'm just just trying to prepare for it I mean we don't really know too much about it um, just I've, I've been watching the MotoGP it doesn't it doesn't look like so much of a uh, of a, of a of a racing car circuit, obviously it's designed for MotoGP. Um, I would liken it to Bahrain. Um, do you think Mercedes are going to go so strongly there, or do you reckon it might come to Red Bull with the sort of twisty section in the middle sector? It's a really tough one to wine to call. I mean, a lot of um, some of the more well-known media personalities involved in F1 seem to go with the opinion that Mercedes are the ones that should have the advantage when you consider all of the aspects of this circuit. Um, it's a really strange one, this circuit, the Lasali one. Of course, it was brought in uh, as a last-minute pr- replacement for the Japanese Grand Prix, I believe, and um, or along that sort of time. And as you said, the characteristics of this circuit, it's very much a MotoGP circuit. It's a circuit that we're probably not going to see on the F1 calendar once uh, Qatar hosts the Grand Prix on a regular basis from 2023. Um, you know, So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But as far as the Lasali circuit goes, of course, you've got that long back straight, which I think everybody is talking about. I think it's about one kilometer long. So we're talking similar lengths to the likes of um, something like what we get in China, at the circuit in Shanghai, or even Baku, that long back straight there. So that is going to be the section where we're going to see most of the overtaking. And of course, why a lot of people think Mercedes, especially based on what we saw this weekend in Brazil, should fancy themselves. And of course, that's going to be music to Lewis Hamilton's ears in that middle sector as you mentioned, it's going to be a lot tighter and twistier as the MotoGP riders will be much more akin to. And as we've seen at some circuits this year, like in Portimao or Mugello the season before, that will be an area where it'll be harder to overtake. So that should play to Red Bull strengths, although there are some medium to high speed corners. So Mercedes won't lose out as much as uh, it might have first feared. So going into this race, if I was to pick a team that's going to fancy this circuit, I think overall, you've got to go with the Mercedes right now. And this newfound speed that's in Lewis Hamilton's hand, which is a very scary thought if you are affiliated in any way with Max Verstappen and Red Bull. 
Yeah, speaking of, uh, I'll, I'll move to you, Tom. I know you're a, a Max Verstappen fan. Um, do you think, you know, I don't, do, there, obviously there's been a lot been said by Red Bull specifically over the uh, over the Mercedes rear wing, um, not just in relation to the uh, to the disqualification on um, on Saturday for Lewis Hamilton, but um, you know, with some flexibility. Uh, do you think maybe those hold water? And uh, and if and if they do, do you reckon you know um, Red Bull will put in a protest or or maybe even try and sort of get one over on Mercedes, uh, you know, basically, do you think they can take the fight to them, really? Uh, you're asking a Red Bull fan whether you think Red Bull are going to put in a protest. Even as a Red Bull fan, I have to say yes, given their given their sort of track record with things. Um, as to whether they can take the fight to Mercedes, poor. If you'd have asked me pre-Brazil, I'd have said, bring it on. You're asking me post-Brazil, uh, I'm quaking in my Red Bull can. It's um, yeah, the 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 just general car advantage that Mercedes seem to have, and that momentum is swinging back that way. It's um, it's pretty tense at the moment, but you know, for for Red Bull when you know, when they're fighting Mercedes and going to the sort of twilight of the season, uh, that uh, the Sale circuit has got what I think I think it's just over a kilometre main straight, which is going to be the DRS though, and I can't really see any anywhere else. We're gonna have DRS this weekend. Um that Mercedes, if it is behind someone, even a Red Bull, if it's if it's got DRS, it is going to sail past pretty much anything I'd imagine. Especially if Hamilton has got the sort of driver motivation he had in from the weekend just gone because he was driving like something almost possessed and um, I'm not going to go into that because we've covered it already but um, I do think I think Red Bull might be on the back foot this weekend and like Adam mentioned earlier they're going to have to have a storming what's probably going to be middle sector or end of first sector into second and maybe a touch of third sector. Basically, the bit that isn't the straight, I think that's going to favour the Red Bull. But I don't know if they're going to be able to make up as much of a difference as they need to because that Merck is going to absolutely blast on the straights. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I 100% agree with everything you said there. Um, now, earlier this year, uh, Adam, uh, I, read, I read an article, uh, or I think it was just one of the pundits, basically. It was around Portugal time that someone said that, you know, Max Verstappen is finding out how good Lewis Hamilton really is. That was obviously when Mercedes might have been a little bit stronger at that period of time. Um, do you think that now it's becoming, uh, you know, I, 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 that was always lost a bit lost on me at that point, but do you think it is really becoming for Max Verstappen, you know, after seeing, um, after seeing Lewis Hamilton just kind of almost eat him up? Um, do you think he's really sort of finding out, yeah, Lewis Hamilton is really good. There's a reason he's a seven-time world champion. And um, and going into this weekend, what do you think that he can do, really, to to defend his championship? Or or is it, do you, do you think maybe there's almost a morale that's just, just been taken away from him and he might not have that unflappability that we've seen him have um, all season long, basically? Well, I think Max has always been aware of how good Lewis Hamilton is. Um, the way that Max has driven this season, mentally, he has been as tough as nails. We've not seen hardly at all Max being put into a position where he's feeling the pressure or at least shows that he's feeling the pressure. I mean, we're talking about a guy here that has never won a world championship in open wheel racing or at least in cars. Um, and it's quite remarkable 
you know, despite his immense talent, that how he's able to handle the pressure to such a degree. I think the first time that we saw this season that Max Verstappen started to worry that he may not win this championship or feel the pressure was at Brazil when Lewis Hamilton was all over the back of him and, of course, forced Max into that over-aggressive defensive move that obviously wasn't punished by the FA, not that it mattered um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I think it was just that sign that we saw with Max, a little bit of desperation creeping in, creeping in. and Lewis Hamilton will sense that um, going into these final races because he may feel that if he's got the advantage over Max, um, Lewis is as strong as anybody at playing the mental game as he is behind the wheel. Um, he's just a lot more subtle about it. That's part of the, the enigma of Lewis Hamilton, if you like. You know, he's always almost like a full sense of security that you think, oh, you know, he comes across as a nice guy. He's respectful to his opponents, etc., and to the crowd. You know, he's harmless. But then getting behind the wheel, he's as brilliant as there's ever been in Formula One. And that can be quite um, a scary trait, especially when you've got a car as quick as he seems to have right now. And, you know, going into this circuit, um, it's going to have all those characteristics, as I've already said, that should help Hamilton further and Mercedes like we saw in Brazil. Um, it, it's going to be a big ask for Max Verstappen. In terms of what he can do, um, the only advice I can give to Max um, on what he can do is basically try and do what he did at Brazil. Not necessarily the defensive driving, but defend as hard as he can, race as fast as he can, as he did for most of that weekend. And, and it must be said, you know, the fact that Lewis didn't just breeze past him at the first opportunity is... Um, it does play tribute to how good Max has been this season. I think he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, everyone else, Hamilton just breezed past as if they were standing still. But it did take him a little while longer to get Max. Eventually he did. Um, so Max has just got to try and do what he's been doing. Make sure he doesn't make any mistakes. Um, and he hardly makes those anymore this season as well. So that's another bow to his quiver, if you like. Um, and just hope that Hamilton doesn't have the performance advantage that he clearly had. Um, at the Brazilian Grand Prix and just hope that Hamilton's not on his A-plus game that he was at that weekend as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I think it, you know, it's unfair to say that Max has been bad. Uh, you know, they, they've, we've both seen, well, sorry, we've seen them both be absolutely excellent and, uh, and you know, with, with the way that the standings are now, um, it's only, what, it's at 14 points, I believe, between the two. Uh, it's going to come down to the wire. Um, of course, to do that, we're going to need to we're going to need some teammates because you know it it would be remiss of us to 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 go over the fact that you know Perez and Bottas um, have uh, have really made a difference to this season. Um, I think I will start with Bottas, really, uh, Tom. Um, do you think you know? Obviously, he, he got out of the way very very quickly for Lewis Hamilton. You know, I, I assume that was pre planned. Um, do you think he? Well, I was going to say, obviously, he's going to do everything he can to help Mercedes. Um, do you think he can? He can sort of, uh, I would say, do that. It's not really a track that suits him, just based on looking at the, track, at the map layout. I don't think Qatar's going to suit him. Um, do you think he's going to run well, or do you think he's maybe going to be a bit more further adrift than he has been to uh, to uh, the, basically the rest of the leading pack? Asking if Bottas is going to run well is asking like which finger you want cut off first. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's 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 just he's just mentally checked out, isn't he? You know, he, he, even though he did have a good run of form, he goes win his Turkey. Um, you know, he's just not. He, he, he's just different gravy to Hamilton, and he's Bisto, and Hamilton is homemade. 
you know, so that's a reference I never thought I'd say. Um, I, I think the car will complement him this weekend. I've got a picture of the circuit map open to my right. So if I keep looking, it's because I'm realising it's even not as twisty as I thought it was. Um, and I can see even more areas where Mercedes are just going to cane it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if if he gets a good toe off someone, um, I, I could I could see him perhaps putting in some good moves this weekend. But realistically, I I don't think there's going to be much from him, and I don't think the Red Bull is going to be of the Red Bull of Perez, I should say, is going to be close enough to really give him give him a battle. And I wouldn't be surprised if we just see Bottas driving round a fairly lowly third. Yeah, that's fair, bro. Um, I'm glad you brought up Perez. It sort of helped me segue into this. Um, you know, obviously he's uh, he's get, he's in it for the long haul at, uh, at Red Bull, to, uh, Adam. Um, do you, I'm just think, sort of thinking. Um, I think he's going to be like if we if we go with the idea that yeah, Mercedes is going to be faster. Um, how key is he going to be? Uh, I know it's a silly question, but you know, it, it, to my mind, he's absolutely essential if the Mercedes is that much faster. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, ultimately, there was not much Perez could do about Lewis Hamilton. I mean, we had a great battle that we saw between the two where Perez did manage to get Lewis back quite early on. And that was quite fun to watch um, in in that race. But um, I'll be honest with you guys. I think the same will go for Bottas in this regard as well. But um, I mean, Perez was quite unlucky in Brazil. Uh, If it wasn't for the safety card, there's every reason to believe he might have been able to finish ahead of Bottas. Would Bottas have got Perez? Clearly, he didn't have the performance in his car that Hamilton did owing to the fresh power unit that Lewis had amongst everything else and how good Lewis had was in that race. Um, so, you know, there's every reason to believe that if it weren't for the safety car, Perez might have had a chance to keep P3. So what it comes down to ultimately with Perez and Bottas is if this weekend goes as it did in Brazil, where they have a massive advantage over everyone else behind them, whichever one is going to be in fourth place, if they can afford to, uh, we'll just take a pit stop and take the fastest lap off of either one of Max or Lewis, depending on which one it is, um, for the sake of the championship. I think that is what their role is going to be now. I think Max and Lewis are just driving to a level at this point, as we've seen for most of the season, where they're just completely untouchable, even to their own teammates in the same car. So, you know, with respect to Perez and Bottas, who obviously have their own roles to play in the Constructors' Championship, and of course, a mini battle between each other, which of course will keep them going it's literally going to be who can take the fastest lap off of either one of Lewis or Max um, just to preserve the driver's championship, um, depending on which way it goes. So uh, I would love to talk them up more, but, you know, Lewis and Max are in a completely different league to their teammates. So there's, uh, they're only going to be able to be effective in a limited capacity from what I can see from here on out. Yeah, it looks like it's a constructor's battle only at this point. You know, as we've seen, as you say, you know, it's been a class of two, really, the entire season. You know, I don't think that's going to change. I think that's the, that's the sentiment coming out now. Um, we're now going to move to the front of the midfield, uh, which is a bit more interesting, um, but also somehow not. Uh, <laughs> right, we've got Ferrari, um, who have really come on strong in the last few races, really made some strides, um, doing almost a Mercedes-level optimization of the car in uh in ways that I wouldn't have, um, I think I've said before, but I wouldn't have predicted this to, uh, a year and a half ago. Um, do you think, uh, do you think, Tom, that bearing in mind, you know, the, the speed that uh, that Ferrari seem to have, um, do you reckon, do you think that they can get their drivers ahead of the uh, ahead of Norris in the drivers' championship and really start to show show 
you know they are they are best of the rest they are in, coming into a to next year with a very very strong position um or do you think it's good it's not going to be um so suitable for them uh, at qatar i do wonder and maybe hope that mclaren will be further ahead this weekend given that mercedes unit in the back and given the sort of nature of the track i do think it's going to benefit um, I do think it's going to benefit both Norris and Danny Rick this weekend. If Ferrari do manage to get a driver ahead and keep a driver ahead, that is a massive statement for the constructors' championship. You know, that is for Ferrari really saying, "Look, we are taking third. If you want it, you've got to come and fight us for it." Um, I think they semi did that in Brazil anyway, with it, with them finishing P five and P six, but. If if they can do that, if they can do that in Qatar, in what should be a Mercedes-oriented car circuit, I was trying to get my words right. Then, um, if you know, if, if Ferrari can get the upper hand, I think they'll have all but won the psychological battle with McLaren. I think McLaren will be a bit resigned to fourth. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. You know, if they can get ahead of Qatar, I think that's going to end the championship, barring, you know, some catastrophic failures on the Ferrari end. Um, now, the question I have really about McLaren is uh, for you, Adam. Um, do you think maybe they've been almost holding back, um, or not so much holding back, but doing similar to uh, what we expected of Mercedes and some of the other teams this year, which is, um, I would say, you know, obviously we've got a big rule change coming up. Um you know, do, do you think they're going to sort of base it? I guess the question is, do you think they're going to continue their form? Do you reckon they've been backing off in preparation for next year's car? Or do you reckon they can sort of regain their mojo? Um, and if not, you know, get a regain third in the constructors with uh, some good performances for Norris and Ricardo. Uh, just, you know, get a little closer almost just to, you know, finish off the season on a high or at least um, get back to more winning ways. It's a really tough one because... Um they had their incredible height monitor where they finished one and two. And of course, Ricardo getting an extra point in the sprint as well. So it was even better for McLaren that weekend. But since then, it's completely fallen away for them. Um, Lando Norris, of course, should have won in Sochi. But if it wasn't for what happened on the team radio and the confusion there, he probably would have done. Um, and they almost got next to nothing at that race. And, you know, since then, Norris, I mean, last weekend, Norris was more himself. You know, he did well in the sprint race to get ahead of um, Charles Leclerc, who was bogged down, of course, by following Perez and uh, and Sainz. And then he was, you know, if it wasn't for that mistake he made, perhaps leaning over a little bit at the start, which was, it was unlucky as well. It must be said. Um, you know, it, it could have easily been Carlos Sainz that got the puncher and it would have wrecked his race in the same way. So Lando was incredibly unlucky. But that being said, um, with his sort of, mid to end of season funk that he's been going through since Sochi. And of course, Ricardo's form has been up and down, up and down. And then it was incredibly up. And then we thought it might continue. And now it's gone back down again to where he's struggling to even get into the points. It is quite a worry for McLaren. Um, in terms of their overall calm and where their priorities are, of course, you know, like practically everyone else at this point in the season, it is swifted towards 2022. Um, that being said, of course, we don't know who you know, blinked first in terms of Ferrari and McLaren. I think for argument's sake, let's assume they did it at the exact same time and focused their resources at the same time to those sorts of projects. So we'll find out next year who's got it right and who hasn't. Um, but that being said, I think all season long, uh, Ferrari, uh, if you took the engines out of the cars, I think Ferrari had a better package than McLaren. And, and bear in mind, McLaren 
were quite limited with what they could actually do with their car development because of the tokens they had to exchange in order to get that Mercedes power unit in the back of their car. So they were quite limited on developing the car. And of course, Ferrari had a lot of weak areas that they were able to address um, because of how bad the car was last season. So, you know, you put all that together and it's taken Ferrari a while to really find their own mojo and their drivers to really be consistent and for them not to make mistakes and for them to have this completed power unit for 2021, which has taken up until the Russian Grand Prix for the electrical components to be a part of that spec, which is why they took the engine penalties that they're in Turkey, to now have the full package, which has seen them completely, not only, you know, get ahead of McLaren, but they've left them in the dust for lack of a better way for putting it. So as far as McLaren are concerned, yeah, of course they should keep trying. Um, they do need to be better, but it just seems that there's a lot of things going on at McLaren this towards the end of this season where their impressive early season form has fallen away. And at the same time, Ferrari have just hit, you know, maximum power, if you like, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, they've hit their purple patch. Their drivers are driving superbly. They're working together as a team, um, even if it doesn't sound like it on the radio all the time. And right now, McLaren, they're just at dire straits right now. I think next season it will get better. But I think in terms of this Constructors' Championship, unless something happens miraculously in their favour to turn things around, I think Ferrari have got the Constructors' Championship, as far as P3 is concerned, in the bag. And we could see not just Leclerc, but also Carlos Sainz overtake Lando in the Drivers' Championship, which was completely unthinkable at the earlier part of the season, considering how good Lando has been. It is mad to think, sorry to jump in, it is mad to think that for quite a while we thought that Norris was going to be dead set for P3 in the championship and now he's slipped to P5 and he's at risk of being swallowed up by one, if not both, of the Ferrari drivers. I mean, if you think back to, was it only the second race of the season, I think, where he went purple in all three sectors to put it P2, only to have the time disqualified, uh, have the time deleted for, I think it was track limits, uh, possibly at Imola, I think it was. Yeah, if, you think, if you think back to then and and just how well Ferrari have done to repair the damage that was done by their 2020 season, um, you know, for them to get back to P3, that is a monumental effort. Yeah, it's clearly something in the water at Maranello and, uh, and maybe not so much in Woking. Um, right, we get to sort of the more fun battles really now, um, where we've got uh, Alpine Reno, um, who are tied on points. I'll sort of bind these two together. I think you know it's, it's sort of becoming. You know, we can see where the f- the fights have now uh, have now solidified up to, um, and now we uh, we can sort of compare two teams directly, uh, which is quite nice for me to be honest. Um, so we've got Alpine Reno, and then uh, and then we've got the Alpha Tories. Um, and now Alpine didn't do so sort of amazingly they actually only scored the, exactly the same points as Pierre Gasly and obviously Yuki Sonoda had that very clumsy in my opinion um, move uh, on Lance Stroll that basically ended his race and and has probably um, severely impacted the uh, the constructors because that seems to be where it's at really now for uh, for, the, for them um, I'll go to you Tom uh, I mean who do you see coming out on top here um, you know obviously there's a you know the slight change in for uh, slight change in circumstances, but um, you know Yuki did well. Yuki uh, Sonoda did well in, uh, in Bahrain. Um, do you think maybe uh, he can he can do better and uh, and help the team? You know, who basically who do you think is going to come out on top uh, as as a constructor in uh, out of Qatar? In Qatar, I think um, I think although Renault will have 
both drivers in between the Alphatari drivers, I think they will come out on top because Yuki is, you know, you mentioned about the collision he had with Stroll. So that was, that really was a rookie move that, you know, to, to coin Martin Brundle's favourite phrase, he was a day late and a dollar short going into that turn. Um, I Sorry, no, I still maintain myself a Martin, Brun, Martin Brundle bingo card for all the phrases he says. Um, but yeah, but that, that, that move was never on. And yes, Hamilton did that sensational move on, I think, Norwich in the sprint. Yuki is not Hamilton. He's been in the sport for one season and he's still adapting to a car that is, whilst it's a decent car, it's not a Mercedes um, and it won't ever be a Mercedes. Uh, yeah, Yuki ruined his own race. He ruined Stroll's car. Did you see that bit of carbon fiber that flew out down the main straight? And Crofty said, oh, there goes the rest of the Alpha Tauri's front wing. Because I think it was it was what caused one of the virtual safety cars. It was an enormous piece of carbon fibre that came out. Um, yeah, he, he shouldn't have stuck his nose in there. And I hope it doesn't dent his confidence too much because he needs a bit of confidence and he needs a decent run for the remainder of the season. Um, if Alfa Tauri want to even think about beating Alpine, they need to know the scoring points. Gasly cannot do it all himself. And the Renault drivers have been pretty consistent in terms of they've been sort of there or thereabouts, you know, obviously they had the massive high in Hungary coming P1 and P3 after Seb's disqualification. Um, but if if AlphaTauri want to wrap up fifth in the constructors, which I think will go down to the last race, um, AlphaTauri need Sonoda in Q3. They need him getting points, even as just eight point, two points. They need those points because Gazi can't do it all himself. He's doing a mighty fine effort, but it's rare that you see two. It's rare you see one driver drag a constructor over over another team that's got two drivers scoring points. Yeah, I think as you say, it's basically key. Um, I kind of want to keep going on it on, on Yuki a bit. Um, do you think that sort of? I'll go I, on in it. I'll go in on him if you want. <laughs> you I'm not people going on him this season, you know, more closer to home, but uh, yeah, he looks like he needs a cuddle, Yuki, doesn't he? Just to tell him everything's going to be okay and try and go again next season. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I mean, we, we kind of hijacked that, but um, but it, 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 you know, to, to carry on the, the point about Yuki, he just needs a winter break. Um, and I've mentioned it time and time again. Let's not forget he's in the Red Bull Driver Academy. It's notorious for being just ruthless with letting drivers go. I mean, what was it? Christian Horner came out and said after Mexico that he ruined qualifying for uh, for Max and, and Checo. It's just like, well, that's not going to do Yuki any favours. Yeah, okay, it didn't help because it probably did put them off um, when you look at it. But don't say it publicly. Have a word with him. You're supposed to be mentoring him, you know, just, just give him a bit of a break. Just in, in, instead of berating him, teach him. You, you know, nurture him. You know, you, you know. Just it's it's it, hanging him out to dry in public is not going to help him. And all it's going to do is push his confidence further down, which means he's going to get more desperate onto track, more desperate on track to look like he's doing something proper, and then. 
we know what happens then. You overdrive. You make mistakes. You'll get a bit of a tank slapper. You'll, you'll oversteer and you'll hit the wall. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's it's actually interesting to think almost that this championship could have been decided by uh, by a Red Bull driver slamming into the side of a, a Mercedes powered car, um, you know, and and basically making life an awful lot easier for Lewis Hamilton uh, compared to uh, compared to Max Verstappen. Um, speaking of that Mercedes powered car, we've got uh, Aston Martin. Um, it's a pretty lowly place that they're sitting in themselves right now, uh, Adam. It's you know they're they're as as a team they're seventh in the constructors. Um, they're nigh on sixty points. Uh, sorry, they're nigh on fifty points. Sorry, uh, behind the Alpha Tories and uh, and Alpine Renaults ahead. Um, and obviously, there's no way that Williams are catching them. Um, you know, is it essentially a test session at this point for them? You know, for these last three races. You know, particularly Qatar though. Um, is it you know what what is what is there for them to do really? Well, they're certainly still trying. Um, at least in Sebastian Vettel's case, it looked a bit more promising in Mexico. Uh, they were caught out on strategy there. And they were caught out on strategy again uh, this weekend, just gone in Brazil. Um, I mean, one of the biggest strengths that we've seen from Alpine this season, I think, which obviously, you know, Tom was mentioning earlier, uh, that will serve them well in this fight with AlphaTauri, which has gone off on a tangent a little bit, is how brilliant they have been at seizing the opportunity. When it is a right, right I can't think of a team that has seized the opportunity better in a random race than um, Alpine with respect. I mean, Hungary, you know, that they seized that opportunity and they won that race and, you know, nearly got two cars on the podium if it wasn't for Lewis Hamilton being Lewis Hamilton. Um, and then, of course, you had the Turkish race where Esteban Ocon did the no-stop and ended up getting in the points when he was nowhere in that race. And then as we saw this weekend, they did the one-stop, which everyone was saying, oh, you're not going to be able to do the one-stop. The safety car come out. And uh, they ended up doing 30-odd laps on the hard tyres and ended up uh, nicking two points finishes where Sebastian Vettel and the Aston Martin were caught out by the strategy and they finished P11. It was just how it goes. And I think for Aston Martin, they will rue so much this season. They will probably forget 2021 and say, this season didn't happen in our memory bank. Our real debut starts in 2022, the real Aston Martin project. Because from the start of the season, even before it's begun, Everything was going wrong for them. They had the rule changes, which of course hurt them more than anybody else um, because they didn't understand the car like the Mercedes understand their car because, you know, for obvious reasons. And they just couldn't work around it. So they've had to work really hard to try and get to a point now where they can feel like they're on top of their car to a degree whilst focusing on the project next year. And hopefully that will, you know, bring better results for them. But there have been so many days now where, as we've already said, Aston Martin have just felt like everything's going wrong for them or the performance isn't there and they've fallen away from the likes of Alpha Tauri and Alpine and of course Ferrari and McLaren ahead of them which you know this time last season they had the third fastest car on the grid so for them I suppose you could say it's somewhat of a test session there are some 2022 components that they could test I mean Ferrari were uh, testing some brake duct modifications that they could use on the 2022 car um, in Mexico which obviously, you know, was quite encouraging from what they said. So there is some scope for teams like Aston Martin to try certain components on the 2022 car that are within the rules this season to help them along. And um, we could see them do that a little bit more. In terms of the overall results, I think it's just a confidence booster, really. You know, Sebastian Vettel will just keep doing what he's doing. Um, Lance Stroll probably needs to find some form. He's sort of fallen away in the second half of this season. 
Um, but he has had his bad luck as well. I mean, as we saw with Sonodo, it just it, the guy just cannot seem to catch a break either. So for them, they will obviously want to cast this season to the memory bank and not think about it anymore or tell it as a ghost story, if you like, uh, every Halloween about how bad the 2021 season has been. Um, but hopefully better days are ahead for Aston Martin, but um, they'll just be going to the races as they are and just hope to do the best job that they can, really. Yeah, I think that's all they can do. Um, now, another team that's sort of fallen from grace a little bit, just in this season alone, you know, we we, we saw some actually fairly good performances from them um, beforehand, where, you know, sort of in the mid part of the season, but they've kind of fallen back quite a lot now, uh, is Williams. Um, I, again, they, they're, they're also in a similar position to Aston Martin. Uh, do you think it's all hands on deck for 2022 at this point for Williams? You know, do, uh, they need to... You know, it's, it's been a long while since we've seen a Williams anywhere near the front. And, um, you know, is it kind of throw the rest of the season away or do you think maybe they can come back? I mean, they they, they said they lost a bit of form, Tom, um, you know, uh, obviously through the last couple of races. Um, but the, the next few races might sort of... Uh, you know, there's, there's opportunity there. I would say um, to to move forward. Do you think? Do you think the same way? Or uh, I think Williams have probably realised that they're not realistically going to catch um, Aston Martin in seventh, and equally they're probably safe enough to Alfa Romeo that they don't really need to think about what's behind them in that sense. <sighs> if I was Williams, I, I think. The results they had in the result they had in Hungary that was a crazy race. Um, I'm not taking anything away from it, but it wasn't it wasn't that they got there on outright merit and outright pace. And I can feel the pitchforks being sharpened as I say that. Um, if you're sharpening your pitchfork, I just want to say I'm sorry, but that's that's not a controversial statement. The Williams aren't quick. No, yeah. The, the, they're not quick. And don't get me I know people like George Russell and seeing him in the points was fantastic. It was brilliant for his career. And I, it did him no end of favours in getting that Mercedes strike, which I think we all knew was coming regardless. And then we look at um, uh, Belgium, you know, the race that wasn't a race. Don't get me wrong. Russell did a insane job in the wet. Um, but they always say that rain is a sort of great equaliser. And it's like, if Lando would have made it without having his quite scary crash, a good chance that he'd have been P2 or P1, and Russell would have perhaps been a place or two further down the order. But again, uh, I, I think if, if if we'd have had a race, the Williams would have probably dropped a fair bit back in that race. Um, so the results are a bit exaggerated. But on the flip side, they have the points they have. And he has got into P3 on Merit. I believe he did it in Austria, possibly. in. This, I think it was in the second Austrian race, because I believe the first one, he messed up by something like two thousandths of a second or something it was. It was something ridiculously close. And going off on a tangent here, I don't think Williams are going to really develop anything. I think it's going to be all hands on deck for 2022. Having said that, we know they're not bringing a car to the end of season test for, I think they said, because they felt it wouldn't be of any benefit which you'd have thought given you've got a driver who hasn't driven single season for a year coming back you'd want to stick him in the car surely 
um, or maybe he doesn't, or maybe he doesn't qualify for the young driver test because I think you have to, you have, to have had a two year gap, which is why Alonso at the at the young age of thirty eight or thirty nine was able to have a young driver test last year. Um, point being, yes, they are going to focus on twenty twenty two from from now on. They are fairly solid in the position they're in. Um, I think aside from any power unit upgrades from Mercedes, there's not going to be anything which is going to be um, an aero tweak, I don't think. Mm, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's kind of... it's kind of Williams are pretty secure where they are, so uh, yeah, I agree with 100% what you said there. Um, Adam, moving forward, we've got uh, Alfa Romeo, and, uh, and I don't really want to talk too much about... Uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Well, who I want to talk about mostly is uh, is Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, now, the night it, we're recording this on the fifteenth. If you're listening after the fact, uh, but it, there's been rumours swirling. I don't know if it's confirmed or not, um, but apparently the decision has been made for the second driver for uh, for Alfa Romeo. Um, based on your the, the performance of Antonio Giovinazzi, basically uh, in the uh, over the sort of weekend in Sao Paulo, do you think? Do you think that's made anything, you know, do I think that's changed the decision at all? Or do you think he's he, he's not going to be partnering uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas next season? I mean, it's a decision that's been probably been made for some time. Um, obviously, there was a lot of indecision over it all, over the Andretti situation, which obviously never came to fruition. Um, and that would have certainly changed uh, the scene. And of course, there's been a lot of delays in the background with who we expect to be confirmed as the uh, Alfa Romeo driver for next season in Guan Yu Zhou. So, you know, that was never straightforward to get that deal done either. So for, for Giovinazzi, we've seen a few moments where he has impressed and shown signs that there is a very quick driver in there. I mean, I think, you know, the problem for someone like Giovinazzi is that nobody is denying that he's not a good driver and that there isn't something in Formula One that he can offer to a team. The problem is, is that it's just been so few and far between. It's not been consistent enough. And whilst you could argue that year on year, there has been some level of improvement. We're talking about a guy who is still struggling at the very, very least to maintain a good performance over the course of the entire weekend, you know, who have a good qualifying or get into a good position early in the race and then just fall away. And you think, well, you know, that was fun while it lasted, but it never, you know, never comes to fruition or anything like that. And of course, he's been struggling to keep up with Kimi. I mean, look at the last race, you know, Kimi started from the pit lane. And he still finished ahead of his teammate um, quite convincingly. You know, Kimi always seems to find himself in the points paying positions or at least on the fringes of it. Giovinazzi, very, very less often you find him in that position. So whilst I am dis- sad a little bit to see Gio looking like he's going to lose his seat in F1, I can't really defend and say he's done enough to keep it. And it seems harder now than ever to keep your seat in Formula One if you are on the fringes of losing it and um, given how competitive the grid is these days is as good as it's probably ever been and how many people are knocking on the door I mean there's so many good drivers that you could put in that seat that aren't going to be in that seat next season someone like Oscar Piastri rings to mind um, maybe Teo Porcher in a few years time and yet you know Giovinazzi I wouldn't exactly put him ahead of those two either I'd rather take the chance on those guys so um, there's always a future outside of Formula 1 for Giovinazzi but uh, he's not done enough in my opinion over the last three or four years to keep that seat beyond this season. It's been coming, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Alfa Romeo is, uh, 
is, uh, is going to be hanging on to a Giovinazzi. I, I loaded the question there, but it was deliberate. And the, um, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, you know, Formula One's a, a, a you know, Formula One's a, a, oh, I can't remember the quote. I it's can't a remember the quote. Mistress. Yeah, it's a cruel mistress. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's something not a finishing school, basically. Uh, yeah, you're pr- I know what you mean. You're absolutely right. It's not. Um, but I mean, with all respect, I mean, in Guan Yu Zhou, what they are getting um, is, you know, an experienced driver. He's been around the junior categories for a while now. A driver that I've personally thought should have made the step up into Formula One probably before he will eventually do. Um, not the number one choice, but I think a solid number two for Valtteri Bottas next season and hopefully can play a part with the financial backing that, of course, he will bring to the Alfa Romeo team to sort of help them along with their short to medium term project with Bottas for the next few years, which hopefully in their minds will take them, um, I suppose, to a position in the midfield that they'll be able to flourish a little bit more in the championship points and maybe on a rare day, maybe try and get a podium rather than languishing at the back where they are at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the 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 direction for uh, for Alfa Romeo has to be forward. Otherwise, we might see Sauber unfortunately go the same way as as well. You know, some some other teams are, uh, that have dropped off the back of the grid in the in, in the last twenty or thirty years. Um, after that, we've got Haas. Uh, sort of, um, it gets a bit repetitive, basically saying that you know they didn't have a very good weekend, but I think it was actually one of the highest one of the higher prefer- um, finishes out of uh, Mazepin and. Mick Schumacher, um, Tom, uh, do, do, you, do you kind of feel like uh, Mick's kind of getting his um, his crashes out the way nowadays? Because we saw him have a, a small incident. I can't remember who with, unfortunately, but losing his front wing um, did an excellent job, in my opinion, to to bring the car back um, and actually still stay in the race. Uh, bearing in mind, we've seen even the, the late, uh, sorry the great uh, Fernando Alonso uh, managed to put that in the wall um, with a wing underneath. Um, do you think? Sort of. Uh, do you think there's anything to be had out of um, out of Qatar for the two? Honestly, probably not. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend there is. I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but that's okay. Me, we all do. Yeah, let me just rattle through the list. We know how bad the car is. Um, cover that off. We know how to focus in all on 2022. Cover that off. Um, we know Mazepin is there because of money. Cover that off. Um, we know Schumacher is the angel driver, and Mazepin is the devil driver. Cover that off. Um, is that a full house? I don't know, but is that five? I think, I I think so. I, I think we're close enough. Running out of fingers there, a one. No, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, unfortunately, I'm not from Norfolk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna step out of that one. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but um, I just want to re- sort of go over something that I said, and I'm resting my hands like this because I'm going to get a bit passionate now. Um, so buckle up. For our audio listeners, I'm Welsh and I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, it is time, it has been time for a while to give Mazepin a break, to stop with the incessant uh, abuse he gets. I'm not saying to go and offer him smooches every race. But imagine if you were in his position, you've got the son of a seven-time world champion who is adored by everyone, who has this incredible bond with um, 
Vettel, who you know, who 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 has been taken under Vettel's wing, if you like, and who gets portrayed as as, as this sort of like outstanding character, which, which Mick Schumacher is, and he is an F two champion. And then you've come in largely, very largely due to the influence, the financial influence your father's had on the team, and you've done a couple of unsavory actions off track. I'm going to leave that bit at that. I'm not going over that again. It's been nearly a year. But imagine if you turned up to the racetrack every weekend, knowing you were going to go out in Q1, knowing you were going to get lapped twice, possibly three times, maybe even four times, knowing that the car you're, you're driving is so slow and is not going to get any quicker. Imagine how demoralizing that would be, regardless of how much they get paid. Imagine how hard that would be, even though... And imagine that with all the pressure of social media on top of you. That's going to break most people. And Mazepin is trying with what he's got. I'm not saying he's going to be a world champion, but... If anybody saw how passionate he got after Q1 when he started crying, if that doesn't show you that that kid is trying and cares, then you're not a proper fan of F1. Yeah, I think it's an important point you make, actually. Um, and it's one I hadn't considered, but uh, too hard, to be honest. Um, that's fault on me. That's um, been almost been a pantomime villain, uh, as you say. And to be fair, to be fair to him, um, that. The the improvement we've seen is has been fairly good, I'd say, Adam. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I, as you know, as Tom said, it, it's it's hard to strip away a lot of the reasons why people weren't fans from Mazepin from day one, which of course was self inflicted. And you know, I'm not going to get into that either because that's a very touchy subject, and you know, that's a debate for a different kind of podcast. Probably not um, the best not phrase, Adam. No, it's not. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I can't think of a better way to put it other than just say, look, it, it, you know, that aside, um, with all due respect, and of course we shouldn't, you know, commend that kind of behaviour, of course not. Um, but at the same time, if we just talk about Mazepin, the driver, um, from the start of the same, at the start of the season, you know, spinning off at Bahrain after three corners and becoming a bit of a meme and everyone thinking, you know, this is a guy that, whilst he did impress in F2 in stages, he wasn't quite at the level of the likes of Mick Schumacher or the driver that a lot of people felt he bought the seat from or bought the seat uh, away from uh, in Callum Mylot. And, you know, as a result of that, there's a level of disdain for a driver like that. And it's quite easy to jump on the bandwagon to criticise him at every opportunity when he messes up. You know, it's almost a losing battle for Mazepin, what he's up against um, in terms of, you know, the driving element. But over the course of the season, you're right, he has made some subtle improvements. He has been getting a bit quicker. He's still not quite on the pace of his teammate, um, at, you know, amongst other things. But we're seeing less and less, I suppose, of those unsavory moments behind the wheel from Mazepin. I, I think one comes to mind was Zandvoort when I think him and Schumacher were having a little battle there and he almost drove into him there. I think Baku, of course, he almost put Schumacher in the wall in that run to the line. We're seeing a lot less of that from Nikita Mazepin. That's not necessarily because he's he's always last, um, but he's just concentrating on his own driving and he is trying. He is trying to improve. Um, 
will he get the time beyond his current contract to do that? I don't know. It depends on, probably will depend on how much more money uh, the Mazepin family and Ural um, Kali, I think it is, that sort of backs them, um, are able to put into the Huss team. And again, it depends on their own future. We'll have to wait and see. But I think if you want to judge Nikita Mazepin on the driver, um, I think perhaps it's time that we should give him credit where it's due and that he has made improvements. And hopefully for his sake and Huss's as well, that continues into 2022 when we have that reset. We may find that those regulations bear in mind the cars are going to be heavier the cars are going to be new they're going to be uncomfortable for some people to drive it might bring in the junior drivers the former f2 drivers like schumacher and joe and uh, and mazepin and sonoda they may find these new cars a little bit easier to them to drive and more, more comfortable than some of the more veteran drivers that are used to driving the cars that we have today so i suppose that's the reason I, if anything i can think of for mazepin to be positive about i think that is that is it really yeah. Um, to be Did fair, I myself. Yeah. I just, I, I just want to add to the back of that very quickly. Um, you made some really good points there, Adam. And when you said about sort of stripping away everything, let's not forget that when when we've had other back market teams who've been pretty poor. I'm thinking back to the likes of 2010 when we had HRT, um, Marussia, and. Um, Virgin Racing, all that. They release racing against themselves. Has to have no one to race against other than themselves. And that's why we don't get to see what those drivers are really made of because they don't get the opportunity to show their wheel-to-wheel racing because the car isn't there. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and that's the important thing. You know, you've got to remember that Mazepin is only up against his teammate. You know, and we're going to see how good Mick Schumacher really is as well next season. Um, you know, it's quite easy for a lot of people to sort of overestimate his abilities a little bit because of who he is and who his dad is and, you know, his junior career. But of course, in Formula One, that means almost nothing. You have to go there and deliver. And next season, we might see them two a lot closer together than we have done this season. And hopefully for their sake, a lot closer to everybody else as well. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think I, I mean it. It'd be amazing if Haas didn't move forward based on what they've got, uh, based on what on the kind of investment that we think is being put into the twenty twenty two car. Speaking of, um, it's it's a point you just sort of touched on. Really, is that the, the it, there's a bit of a obviously there's a rules reset. And it's going to be difficult um, for all drivers to transition to them. But bearing in mind that um, F two has been racing on these what are these sort of bigger rims and 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 more sort of. Uh, road-like tires, uh, road-relevant tires. Sorry, and obviously F1 is moving to the uh, to those. Um, I just kind of I'll do this in the main show, really. But um, do you do you think sort of that's almost a, a benefit to them in the same way that the banning of traction control uh, in two thousand and eight was to maybe Lewis Hamilton, where obviously you know you've got these incumbent drivers who who have, have been used to it for the last couple of years of or, or their entire careers potentially. Um, and now, you know, the young kids, are, you know, the young guys coming up from F2, you know, I'm thinking Sonoda, I'm thinking Schumacher, I'm thinking uh, Mazepin as well. And whoever ends up in the Alpha, uh, Alpha Romeo seat, do you think that's, I mean, I'll start with, I guess, I'll straight over to you, Tom. Um, but do you think that's, you know, going to be much more of a advantage than, we, than we're thinking? Yeah. Uh... It could be, yeah. Um, and let's not forget, sort of, you know, even even taking that in, into consideration, 
let's not forget how big the jump from F2 to F1 really is. I'm not just talking about the cars, I'm talking about the environment, the pressure, the media spotlight. Um, so when you take all of these things in, in, into consideration, plus you know, you know, plus plus the, the bigger tires, yes, okay, they, they are apparently gonna be more road relevant next year. I don't know about you, but every time I, I want to go to Tesco, I don't go downstairs and put tire blankets on my car and then have a jackman front and rear ready to wheel me out my garage. Um, you know, so take from it what you will. Oh, and also if you try and drive with slicks on in the UK, you'll get your car impounded because it is illegal. Um yes, I I I can see where, where you're coming from. Um but it's um yeah, it's in terms of like drivers coming up from F2 to F1, it's a huge step for them. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, I think, um, no, sorry to hijack it again, uh, a wine. Um, but as I said, you know, these cars are going to be heavier next season. They're going to be more lazier in the slower corners, if you like. And um, there's going to be a lot less downforce. It's going to be a lot harder for, um, you know, for the guys that are used to the current cars to sort of adjust. And I think for drivers like Joe, for Schumacher and Mazepin and Sonoda, as I've already mentioned, those guys are going to, find it a little bit more easier to acclimatize to these newer cars coming just because of their experiences in F2. I mean, apparently these cars are going to be very, very close to performance of the current ones. Um, the latest uh, news that we've heard, you know, before they were saying three or four seconds slower, they were going to be like really fast F2 cars. Now they said they're going to be faster than that. Either way, I think for those guys, they're going to be very much looking forward to these new cars. I think that's what they were brought in for originally, because of course the rules were homologated a year back. So they come in a year earlier than they thought they were going to for these new rules. So, um, yeah, it, it could be quite interesting to see what progress these younger drivers uh, from F2 make of these new rules. They may, you know, find it a lot easier to acclimatise than the uh, the more veteran ones, if you like. Yeah, I've sort of hijacked the uh, the format of my own podcast there. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, um, I think that's sort of, a, you know, we've just had a quick sort of mini discussion on it, but it's a, you know, it's an interesting prospect coming up. Um, I would say uh, now we should probably move on to some predictions because uh, uh, I'm assuming your producer will be very annoyed at me for this. Um, but uh, I, I, I think I, yeah, I'm just going over the headline, headline prediction. Um, who do we think is going to win the uh, win the Qatar Grand Prix? Um, I'll start with you, Adam. Lewis. I, I think... The characteristics of the circuit, as we've already talked about, and how quick Lewis has been, if that engine holds up in terms of reliability, I think it's going to be really tough to stop him. Um, and that's assuming he starts where he should start at the very front of the grid this time. Yeah, it's a good point you make. Um, Tom? Uh, it's got to be Lewis for for um, Qatar. Circuit's going to suit Merck, mostly. Um, he's He's going to be... He's going to have such a buzz, and he, the the momentum and the sort of energy he's carrying from Brazil, it's um yeah, it's got to be Lewis. Yeah, it's not really. Mine's mine's not a prediction, really. It's more of a it's more of a get. It's more of an assumption, really, that Lewis will be on top. But I think you know, I think the 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 you know, as you say, the buzz. Um, you know that 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 Max Verstappen may not believe in momentum. I don't know who tr how true that is. Uh, whether he's you know feeling the pressure maybe and not showing it, or or whether he genuinely feels that way. But 
I think there's a lot to be said for coming in with form, coming in with, you know, feeling like, oh, I can't accomplish anything and I think I might do it. Um, who do we think is going to, well, it's a stupid question, isn't it? He's probably going to share the po- po- uh, podium with one of the three other drivers. Um, and uh, and we have a good idea of who, who, who one of them is, but we'll do it just out of interest anyway. Uh, Adam, who do you think is going to be on the other two steps of the podium? Well, you've got to go with Max and Valtteri. I was almost tempted to try and be silly and name someone random. Let's name Mazepin on the podium for the sake of improvement. Why not? No, it, it's got to be Max and Valtteri. Um, um, I mean, Perez could, but I just think the strengths of that Mercedes are going to suit Bottas a lot more than the strengths of the Red Bull in Perez. So, uh, yeah, I think Max and Valtteri. And you, Tom? Uh, I think in 2021 style, if you're putting... Hamilton on the podium, you've got to put Max on the podium and vice versa. So, yes, Max, I think, will be on the podium, bar no major incident. Um, but I do think we're going to see a Mercedes power car. And at the minute, I, only, I can only see Bottas getting it up there. Fair enough. Um, you know, it's not really a prediction. This isn't, a, this is even less of a prediction. I, I, this is just a hope. I'd like to see the, the Constructors' Championship be uh, be very, very tightly decided. So I'd, I'd quite like to see Perez up there just to bring back the points deficit just a little bit uh, back towards back towards uh, evening up those two. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Verstappen because I don't think I don't see anyone else being second and obviously Perez behind there. Um, I think there's a bold prediction to make, really. Um, but we'll go with one uh, anyway. Uh, Adam, you got a bold prediction? Um, bold prediction, bold prediction. I'm going to go with... Because I'm thinking like Mexico, I'm going to go with Gasly P4. I think Gasly will beat the Ferraris again this weekend. I mean, he's been a phenomenal qualifier um, this season. And he's always put himself there or thereabouts. Brazil, it fell away a bit because of the performance of the Ferrari, but... It's a good car that he's got underneath and he seems to extract that. So, yeah, I'm going to say Gasly P4. Tom? Uh, I'm going to say McLaren gets within five points of the con- of Ferrari and the Constructors. Oh, that's a, that's a bold one, that. Well, uh, can- race, that's a huge chunk of points. I know. Wow. I mean, I'm curious to ask what you think Ferrari's going to do this weekend. I don't imagine a lot on that basis. They're going to be Italian. They'll do something stupid. Yeah. I mean, you said it. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All hate directed at me, please. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> not at me. <laughs> they'll, build that, they'll build that Ferrari with uh, with passion, or maybe it'll get affected in shipping. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and it'll blow up and lap three in a giant fireball. Well, uh, freight planes actually make it to this event. You know, that we could turn up to it. That would be how it works, Tom. Ferrari, <laughs> yeah, just right. get their car put together because the freight plane doesn't make it. That's how it happens. <laughs> They'd be quicker off driving it down the motorway from Maranello at that rate. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I believe uh, I believe uh, Qatar Airways are hoping uh, doing the logistics, uh, doing the actual flights. This uh, that's what I read earlier today. Um, oh, bold prediction. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with both Ferraris in the top four. That's a bold one, I think. Could happen. Bold one. I like it, but yeah, that is a bold one. 
Yeah, uh, I'm with that. Uh, it's getting a bit late. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you'll know if you're watching live, but if you're listening after the fact, uh, we now stream the show live on YouTube, so be sure to like our Facebook page, as I said before, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Formula One Grid Talk, uh, to know when we go live and when we're scheduling shows. Uh, there's a fair few still coming up. Um, this is We're get, getting off the back of a, uh, of a, of a long set of... Uh, a long set of them, but we're over the hump now. And, uh, we're coming back down the other side. Um, make sure you just bring the bell icon so you're notified of future shows when they go live, uh, and when we get when we upload um, some extra bits, some you know clips and stuff like that. I'm sure this generated probably some. Um, so if you, but if you want to listen to it in audio format, then uh, and we're now available on Verbal as well as Amazon Music, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search F1 Grid Talk. Uh, we have a large get back catalogue of shows, particularly chronicling this marvel of a season. Uh, it's a it's a great companion piece if you want to go back and uh, watch the replays of the season and then uh, and then listen to our lovely voices all over again. Uh, we have 150 now. Um, including interviews with Mario Isola uh, from Pirelli, as well as retrospective pieces on Tiregate, the 1994 Benefit Tom conspiracy, and Senna. Uh, and you, if you're still stuck to, uh, for what to do between shows, um, then I'm sure there's uh, my, my lovely podcast guests, who I, I thank profusely for coming on at this, uh, this sort of later stage at night, um, will uh, will be there to entertain you. So uh, if we start with you, Adam, where, where can we find you? So you can find us on the DNF1 F1 podcast. Same as F1 Chronicle, you search us on Google, type in DNF1, you'll find us and you'll be able to listen to us on all major podcasts and platforms as well, where we talk all the latest news and gossip and events in Formula One. And you, Tom? Yes, so I'm part of Everything F1. You can find us at everythingf1.com across all your favourite social media platforms, so Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I believe we might even be doing TikTok. As you can tell, I'm not a TikTok connoisseur. Um, we also have a Discord server and a YouTube channel uh, where we do a sort of track analysis, um, sort of like uh, previewing uh, previewing circuits for upcoming races, and we are going to begin uploading interviews of our podcast, the Everything of One podcast. Now, that podcast is available on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, um, I think Omni Studio, basically all your favourite podcasting locations, and our website. Yeah, it's great. Great. Uh, everyone check those out. They are really, really good. Um, right. If, if, lastly, uh, just uh, if you want to sort of help us out to improve, just check out our separate F1 Grid Talk to uh, to give us suggestions on what we can do, uh, and perhaps subscribe to our Patreon for mics, lights, and better recording equipment, particularly the lights. It's not particularly well lit in this uh, in this room at this time of day uh, for, for our presenters. Um, we'll be back. Oh, I believe it's next Saturday uh, for the Qatar qualifying um, to give our analysis and reaction to that as well. Um, thank you very much for watching and goodbye. <laughs>